0: Good morning and happy Easter. What we preach today is good news, not good advice or something nice to say on a Sunday morning. It's actually good news. You know, the kind of news you want to share and tell everyone. It's kind of the news that when you want to share when somebody, for the very first time in your life, says that they love you. You can't believe it. It's amazing. And so you want to run and tell everyone, guess what? I want to tell you something that's absolutely amazing. That's the kind of news we proclaim today. We proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. We proclaim that the one who was crucified has arisen. The story we hear in the Scriptures this morning with Mary is an amazing story. Notice a bunch of people are running around. They think maybe the body has been taken away, and they're looking. They're trying to figure out what's going on because something isn't quite right here. And Mary sees the angels, and still it doesn't quite sink in. And then she turns, and she thinks it's the gardener, and she says, where have you taken him? And he says her name. And in that moment, she recognizes that it is Jesus, and everything in her life changes, shifts. Something she didn't expect has happened. Something she couldn't imagine has happened. Something she has no words or images for has happened. And she runs and she tells the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Now we have to hope that all of the disciples trusted Mary and said yes to that, but we know that's probably not right. We know the disciples have been fumbling all along, and so it would be surprising if they didn't fumble a bit here. They too had to wait for the moment when they were encountered with Jesus. And they were not only the disciples, but probably many years later, like five or six years later, we have the witness of Paul who says, I have had an encounter with the risen Lord. And many people across the ages have proclaimed that same encounter I have encountered the one who was crucified and risen. And part of the reason this is good news is because it reminds us who's in charge. And it isn't any president, nor is it any dictator, or prime minister, or leader of any nation. Sometimes they think they're in charge, but we know better. We know that it's God that is in charge. And that's a really challenging thing to say because when we look at the world, it looks kind of messed up. And we want to say, God, if this is the kind of world you've made, if this is what in charge looked like, we got a problem. And at that point, I think God just takes a big mirror and holds it up and says, you want to know what the problem is? You're looking at the problem. It's us. A while ago, I learned about a, a person by the name of Brene Brown. Some of you may know her. She's a, a lecturer. She's a, uh, she's a writer. She's a researcher. She researches a difficult topic, which is shame. She's done a couple of TED Talks, and right after her first book came out, her life was kind of crazy, and, and she said that in one of her TED Talks, she was talking about it, and she said, you know, I, I, I made two lists. I made a list of all the things in my life that I wanted more of. And I made another list of all the things in my life I wanted less of. And I took it to a therapist. And I said to the therapist, I'll tell you what, I want some tips on how to live more like this and less like this, and I don't want to talk about my family or my childhood. She said you can imagine how well that went over with the therapist. It took her a year, and at the end of that year, she said she had more of this and less of this in her life. Now, I like therapists. I have one myself, and they're good. They're helpful. But I want to suggest to you that there's someone else who's talked a lot about how you get more of this And less of this. You notice that she didn't make that list up, and I've been thinking about it. I think I have a a pretty good idea of the things that were on each of her hands. But I suspect that right now, in this moment, we could sort of come up with at least something that looked like that list of hers. What would you like more of in your life? This is where you get to talk. (laughs) What do you want more of in your life? acceptance, joy, time, respect, love, kindness, peace. Yeah, we all want more of those things, right? One way or another. I was doing this a couple of weeks ago, and and there was a woman there who just had chemotherapy, and and she said what she wanted more of was hair. (laughs) We'd, we could argue about what's on the list, and we could argue about where it fits on the list, but the reality is that list is ours, and we know it. And we can make the other list. What do you want less of? Pain. Pain. Despair. And stress. And war. And suffering. And hate. Indifference. Somebody in the 8 o'clock service said what they wanted less of were tweets. (laughs) They didn't mention who they wanted less tweets from, but they want less tweets. (laughs) Again, we we could talk about that list and we could maybe prioritize, but my guess is that that list that she made was really no different than the list we made. Is we want more of this and less of this. And I want to suggest to you that that is, in a sense, what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the fact that God, the Lord of life, invites us to live a life of love and generosity and peace and tranquility. All of those things is what, are what God intends for us. You know, there is in Mark's Gospel, right around the 12th chapter, Um, a little conversation that Jesus has with a scribe. It's also in in a version in Matthew and in a version in Luke. And what the scribe simply says is, what's the greatest commandment? And rabbis were, they enjoyed playing this game. What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says to him, "Uh, what, what, what does Jesus say? I am the, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. I suspect that we could create and craft all around all the other things we say in the church about God is that central proclamation. And it is in church that we do the work of doing all of those three things. Loving God, loving neighbor, loving ourselves. If you are a part of this cathedral, you are blessed to be in a place where this happens weekly and daily. We do it in a big way on an Easter when we celebrate this wonderful Eucharist, when we have beautiful flowers, we have a a choir that can't be beat, and everybody sort of dresses up, right? Right? We worship the Lord, but we also worship the Lord in this cathedral every single day. And the clergy here find ways of gathering with you in prayer groups, in study groups, and in uh, worship services where you are invited to develop and, and enrich your life with God. Because what God wants is not just that we love him or her or it, But what God wants is that we are in relationship with God. And this is a place where you can. And and if you're not a part of this cathedral, maybe your parents dragged you here (laughs) because it's Easter and you got to go to church. I want to suggest to you that wherever you are, you can find a community of people who can help you do this. And it's not hard. To develop a relationship. God, it just takes time. And, and then loving our neighbor. This cathedral does it every week. I don't think there's been a time when I haven't walked into that courtyard and seen people in need that were being fed. And there are so many ways in which this cathedral offers ways for us to engage the least, the lost, and the lonely and help them in times of pain and suffering. Loving ourselves is sometimes the hardest part, isn't it? And yet, and yet this cathedral gives you an opportunity to do that. Through all of those little groups of people that meet, all your friendship groups that you know in this place, When I was the rector of a a church in Minnesota, I had a group that met gentlemen, maybe eight or ten of us. They were called the Men's Marching Society. I guarantee you they never marched anywhere. (laughs) But they gathered every Wednesday, and we had communion together, and then after communion we went out and had breakfast. Doesn't sound like much, does it? But I guarantee you when any one of those gentlemen was ill, somebody else was there to take care of them. And we learned to love one another, not because we agreed with one another about stuff, but because we found the humanity of that person embedded in that person and found God in that person and began to love them even in spite of the fact that there was a whole lot of things we'd change if we could about them. Love of God, love of neighbor, love of self. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the the nugget. That's the core of what we proclaim when we say Christ is risen from the dead. The powers and the principalities of this world can do their worst. But do not let what you hear in the newspaper or whatever electronic way you have of finding out what's going on in the world, don't let that make you believe that that's what the world is about. Because you and I know that's not what the world is about, and it's not what there is the most of. What there is the most of is love and generosity and caring because Christ has risen from the dead. Amen.